0: Wow, the presence of the Lord, there's nothing like the presence of God. The tangible presence of God makes a huge difference in everything in our lives. So good to see all of you this morning. want to welcome you online. If you're joining us today from a distance, maybe soon you'll get to be with us. But those of you who are here, welcome in live, in person. Daniel, you did a great job today, man. You did a great job. Appreciate your heart, man. Appreciate you taking your skill and the gift God's given you to continue to cultivate that and grow in that. There's more coming that God has for you, all right? Just stay where he wants you. He'll take care of the rest, all right? He'll grow you. He'll bring, it, he'll bring things to pass. He'll answer those questions. He'll, he'll connect those dots. You don't have to try to make that happen. He's got it. There's some, there's some things in your near future you're making some decisions about. God says, I've got it. Just you stay right where I have you, and I'm going to move you and pos- position you where you need to be. All right? Does that make sense? Does that hit home? All right. Uh, well, welcome to church, guys. Welcome to New Life Church. So good to see all of you today. Everybody doing okay? Yep. Am I, do I sound okay on this mic? Okay. Okay. All right, do I sound any better than I used to? No? Okay. That's the truth. Hey, as long as you tell the truth, right? Tell the truth, shame the devil is what they say, right? Well, listen, let me invite you to open up your Bibles to the Gospel of John chapter 10. Or if you're using your smart devices, click over to John chapter 10. And you can also follow along on the screen here behind me as we prepare for today. John chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 1. It says, I tell you the truth, Jesus says, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. And they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Verse 6, those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant. So he explained it to them this way. He says, I tell you the truth. I am the gate. Everyone say the gate. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Again, he says, yes, I am the gate. Say the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and they will find good pastures. In verse 10, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy my purpose, Jesus says, is to give them a boring life. Did I read that right? No. Okay, I just want to make sure you were still with me. Jesus says, My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Amen. Today, we're going to, the plan is to wrap up of the summer series we've been on, the seven I am statements of, of Jesus that are in the uh, Gospel of John. And uh, we've covered all but this last one. I um, was going to do this one several weeks ago, but things changed in that service and I did not, so I'm going to plan is to finish that up today. We've talked about Jesus saying, I am about himself the bread of life. We've covered him saying, I am the light of the world. Covered Jesus saying about himself, I am the good shepherd. He says, I am the resurrection and life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he says, I am also the vine. And today, he says, I am the gate. This whole series is kind of built around this one central theme. Who we believe Jesus is will make who we become. Who we believe Jesus is will make who we become. The late Christian philosopher and theologian dallas willard quoted this saying the most important thing about you is not the things you achieve but it's the person that you become what we achieve is not who we are that's just what we have the most important thing about us our soul is who we become Leading up to this, this particular statement where Jesus says, I am the gate, in, in chapter 9, he had healed a person, a man who was born blind. And his disciples got into this discussion with him. You know, who, who was at fault here? Was his parents or him? But he's, he was born blind. And they, Jesus said, it's not anybody's fault that this person was born blind. He's, this is a point in life, in his life, and in those around who can see and witness the power of God be at work in his life. So the problem he has is not his fault. The problem presents a solution, and I am that solution. And he heals him. And he heals him on on the Sabbath day. And if you know anything about some of these stories of Jesus and things that he does on the Sabbath, it really puts a wrench in the the Pharisees' uh, life. I mean, they get torn apart because of things that Jesus has done on the Sabbath, and they, they said, "This guy cannot be from God because he 's healing he 's working on the Sabbath. You were not supposed to do any work, according to the law of Moses on the Sabbath, and Jesus did not look at it, what he did as work, he looked at him, looked at that as him being a Sabbath giver, providing rest and providing healing and life to those who needed it. And so they were like, this guy can't be from God, he's, he's, he, he's, he's doing this thing on the Sabbath, it's just not right. And he goes on, there's this long discussion, the whole chapter 9 is about that, and Jesus goes into this, into this uh, dialogue here and says, hey, I want, you to, I want you to see something, I want you to know something. I am from God because I'm from him because I am the one who provides all of these things for those who come to me. And in and the summary of, of this, he says this in around verse 9 and 10. Is this kind of bouncing around? No, but it's making a noise. Let me just... I'll go to this. All right. And he says in verse 9 and 10, he says, those who come in and through me, as he just said, I am the gate... All right? I am the gate. He said, those whose lives come in and through me, you will experience salvation. You will experience forgiveness. You will experience freedom. You will experience deliverance. You will experience rest. And you will experience an abundant, rich, satisfying, and overflowing life. Now, in our life, in our world where we live, not every day are we experiencing that abundant, rich, satisfying and overflowing life. Not because of anything Christ has done or hasn't done. It's because of the world we live in and the things we take on ourselves. As James was pointing out at the beginning of our service in the introduction about uh, getting our sight to look up towards heaven is not allowing the things in our path and around our in our peripheral vision to pull our distraction away from the one who, is, who deserves not only our worship and our praise, but the one who changes everything about our life and who sustains us and gives us the ability to endure in this world. And Jesus said, look, I'm the one, those whose lives come in and through me, you're going to find all of these things. You're going to discover all of these things. You're going to experience all of these things. And life is not going to be the same for you. It's not going to be based on how good you can be, as the law showed. It's not going to be based on your performance to to attain more of God's love for yourself. It's not going to be based on you getting it right all the time so you can feel better about yourself. It's going to be based on who I am and I am the gate. And anyone whose life comes in and through me, who flows in and through me, life will never be the same for them. And he, and he sums that up with that. And, and then he, and he, and he builds this statement, I am the gate. And he opens himself up to us. He gave his, his life for us. And so there are these points of, he's the point of passage, but in, and as our life goes in and through Christ, and we walk with him, and our life is built on him. Then we have these things that he promises to us, that he gives to us. And we're going to look at a picture in the Old Testament. It's actually the, the, um, Nehemiah's Jerusalem. Nehemiah came back to rebuild the city and the broken walls after, after exile and destruction uh, in Jerusalem. And, and this, the city gate of Jerusalem, or excuse me, the city wall of Jerusalem had, had these gates around, had these 10 gates. Around it. And this is a foreshadow. These gates, I think, can be seen as a foreshadow of Christ. So we're going to travel around these for just a few minutes uh, today and look at how these gates uh, foreshadow Christ. And we're going to look at it with this question in mind. And that is, is my life going in and through the gate of Christ? And we're going to look at how Jesus is each, He is each one of these. Gates, And we're going to look at their meaning and how that applies to our life, okay? So we're going to look at it through the lens of the question of, is my life going in and through the gate of Christ? Let's look at the first gate, the sheep gate. You can find this whole thing, by the way, in Nehemiah chapter 3, if you want to read about that. I encourage you to do that. The sheep gate, it represents salvation. It's the first and it's the last gate around the city wall of Jerusalem. It's the gate where the sheep and the lambs um, that were used in sacrifice were brought in. They were brought in through that gate, all right? And Jesus is the first and the last. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He, He was who was, who is, and who is to come, all right? And He, Jesus, is the Lamb who was sacrificed for the sins of the world. And so this gate... The sheep gate is the first and the last because Jesus is the first and the last. Everything starts with, continues with, and culminates with Jesus. All right? Our life is centered and called to be centered around Christ. Sheep gate. Has my life entered the salvation gate of Christ? And if you're unsure and you don't know, or you know for sure your life has not entered through the sheep gate uh, of Christ, through the salvation gate of Christ, then we would love to pray with you, love to talk with you at the end of today. Or if you're online, you can click a link there, checks you in, you can make contact with us and we would love to pray with you in that. Has your life entered the salvation gate of Christ? If so, it carries on to the next gate, the fish gate. It represents purpose. Fish gate represents purpose. This is the gate where the fishermen will bring their catch of the day through that gate into the city to be sold to people, all right? The natural order of progression after salvation is that we would share what Jesus has done and is continuing to do in our life, the everyday part of our life. So the thing is, as we're called in Matthew 28 to go out into the world and make disciples, witness to the world, to be a light and all of these things. We, we don't have to overcomplicate it. We don't have to create a podium. We don't have to create a platform. We don't have to create a t-shirt. We don't have to create a thing to make it happen. Jesus expects us just to live our life in a way that glorifies Him in our everyday life and be willing to share the love and the life of Christ with other people, wherever we may go. We're not all called to go across the world uh, as missionaries across the world, but we all are called to be missionaries wherever we are. Wherever we are at home, wherever we are in our community, wherever we are at work, wherever we are at school, wherever we are, we are called to be the missionaries, to be the life and the light of Christ, to share what Jesus has done and what Jesus is doing and to live our everyday life in a way that would help point people to Christ. All right. Now, we don't have to have a degree for that, but we do need to have a degree of understanding of who we are in Christ, which is why the, God's Word is so important. We're going to get to that in just a second. But sharing Christ, living for Christ, not being afraid, having the courage and having the boldness to be a light for Him in this dark world. And to be a person of encouragement, to be a person of support, to be a person who acknowledges others, to be a person in our fast and furious life that we live in in this world—it's so valuable and so important that we take the time to notice other people. So many people are forgotten, so many people are overlooked, so many people um, are, are not seen and not heard. And so I think it's as so vital as Christians in our day and time is to not be in such a hurry is to try not to be in such a hurry. Um, all of us, myself included, is to try not to be in such a hurry. I've often found myself, when I'm in a hurry, my spirit's agitated, and therefore I'm not really paying attention to people right in front of me or to people around me. And, and, I've, and, and I know I've missed the opportunity at different times to just be a source of help, to be a source of hope, to be a source of encouragement to somebody else around me because I was so involved in trying to get my thing done that I missed the people that God had put in my path. Hurry is one of the greatest spiritual enemies that exist in our world, being in such a hurry. We pile too much on our plate. We get too much on our calendar. Um, We get too much going on in life. There are seasons for lots of things to happen, I understand it, but man, there's times where we got to just kind of pump the brakes and back away a little bit so that we can see the landscape around us. Amen? See it around us. Purpose, but we have purpose. Question, am I living for the purpose of Christ? In, this, in leading up to this, in that story in John 9, where Jesus healed the man born blind, He, he told His disciples, he said, that we, he said in verse 4, He said, we must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us. Because the night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here in this world, I am the light of the world. It was reiterating that his purpose was to be light. He was reiterating to his disciples that while I am here, while I'm alive, I'm not going to squander my life. I'm going to live this time I've been given for the purpose for which God has put me on this planet. And the same applies to all of us. There is purpose. Am I living for the purpose of Christ? Then go to the next gate. It's called the old gate. Are you guys able to follow that around with me? From your left going down, fish gate, and then you make a right, old gate. The old gate represents truth. It's the oldest city gate that was ever made. It's called the old gate. But it represents uh, truth. It's the established ways of... Of truth. And then if you see that, it, it takes that turn from the fish gate to the old gate and then it goes straight for a while. And it represents this there comes a point when every believer must turn the corner in faith and take that long walk of obedience in the same direction. And that direction is truth. There comes a point in time in our salvation where we can't just chalk it up to, I don't know or I didn't know that, or I'm too immature to really possess the knowledge of how all of these things work. There comes a point in time where every believer must turn the corner and determine for themselves, I'm going to walk this truth out, precept upon precept, verse upon verse, truth by truth, step by step, Day by day, no matter what I might face, no matter what I might deal with today, I'm going to continue to get up each and every day and look forward and not backwards. Paul, in fact, the Apostle Paul had that motto in his life. In Philippians, he writes to them in chapter 3 and he tells them, Hey, man, I've been at this a long time and I'm not perfect. I I haven't arrived yet, but here's this one thing I do. I forget what lies behind and I press on to what lies ahead. I will press forward. Friends, late in his life, late in life, late in ministry, he's about, the sun's about to set on his life and he's about to cross over and he was still determined. You know what? I'm still going to keep going this direction. I'm not going backwards. There comes a point in time in our Christian faith where every believer must turn the corner and walk that and determine, I'm going to walk that long walk of obedience and truth in the same direction. And the thing about truth is it changes us. It changes us. Question, am I walking in truth? Because truth straightens my life out. Truth straightens my life out. Think about that. Look at that that picture, how from, from the old gate down, it's this long, straight line. Truth straightens our life out from chaos and confusion, from things being topsy-turvy, not that life doesn't play a part in that, but inwardly and directionally with where my life is going. I'm not going to be chasing every wind of doctrine, I'm not going to be going after every little fad and every little thing that pops up. I'm going to stay true to the truth and I'm going to walk that line of obedience in Christ. Truth straightens my life out and my walking in truth. And then you get to the next gate, the valley gate. Again, Jesus is in all of these gates. He's all of these gates. He's sheep gate. He's fish gate. He's old gate. He's the valley gate. Represents tough times. There were several valleys all around Jerusalem, and this particular gate opened up to a valley. And this speaks to valley-type experiences that we all have in life. Trials, challenges, troubles, and tough times. In fact, Jesus said in John 16, that he said, that on this earth, you're going to have a happy-go-lucky life and nothing will ever go wrong with you if you follow me. No, unfortunately, (laughs) he said you're going to have many trials, but he didn't stop there. He didn't say, hey, your life's going to suck. You're going to have a lot of trials. You're going to have a lot of tough times. You're know, you just going to have to deal with it. No, he didn't leave it at that. He said, you're going to have a lot of trials on earth. You're going to have a lot of tough times on earth, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So every trial, every trouble, every tough time you and I will ever have in this life, Jesus has already overcome it. He says, take heart. I have already overcome the world. I have already overcome it. So if our life is in the gate, is in Christ, here's the thing. When we go through valley experiences, we can take heart because Jesus has already overcome. And as we continue to endure, our faith will get stronger. And as our faith gets stronger, you and I will continue to carry on and be who God has created us to be and live this life the way God has created us to live it. We will all have these trials. We will all have these different tough times, but take heart. Because He has overcome the world. Question, am I enduring or am I wavering in Christ? Am I enduring or am I wavering? Christ has already overcome every issue, every trial, every tough time that you and I can face. And with Him in our life, with our life entering through Him as the gate then we have this promise that He is with us, He is for us, He is not against us. But He takes everything and He works everything out for our good, for those who love Him, those who walk with Him, and those who live for the purpose for which He created us. If we live that way, He works things out in a way that you and I can never imagine. Take heart, He has overcome the world. Then He kind of have in the middle... The dung gate. The dung gate, it represents transformation. This is the gate where all the city's rubbish and waste was taken out through that gate. As you can imagine, it, it stank. It was bad. It speaks to how Jesus has the power to remove rubbish and waste and spiritual toxins out of our life. Anybody, you don't have to raise your hand, but I'm sure we could all raise our hands. We all have things in our life that we wrestle with, we struggle with, that we just don't like that goes on inside of us, right? We all have some stuff, thought patterns, belief patterns, behavioral things, struggles in our world and I mean struggles in our own in our own self our spirit soul and body that man I'm just not happy about I don't like it when I think this I don't like it when I do this I don't like it when I say that I don't like it that I see people this way I don't like it about me in certain areas and so we all have these the struggle is real in all of us but Jesus has the power to remove the rubbish, and the waste, and the toxins in our life that He knows we actually can live without. Oftentimes we create our own habits. We start a thing. We continue a thing. And not all habits are good habits, but not all habits are bad habits. You can say it however you want. Some things are indifferent. There's some things, man, as James pointed out at the beginning, I just love how the Holy Spirit kind of orchestrates His, his the service when we gather You know, he and I didn't talk. I love how how Megan sets a set list for worship that just kind of builds to the main points of the sermon. She and I really didn't talk. We hardly do talk. It's just we pray and we just like trust that God's going to work this thing out. There's the truth behind how all services are planned. We do have staff meetings. We do pray together. And that's a big part of it too. But the Holy Spirit knows exactly what we all need each week in our life together as the church. Come on, aren't you thankful for that? Man, because if it were just dependent upon me or some others, we'd really goof this thing up. We'd really goof this thing up. But the Holy Spirit knows what we need. He knows what you need. He knows what we, what we must have in our life. The Dungate speaks of transformation. In fact, Paul wrote this to the Romans in chapter 12 of Romans. He said, hey... Stop being conformed to the patterns of this world, but let God transform you. Let Him transform you. Friends, I want you to understand something. A lot of us probably already know this, but just in case, Jesus changes lives. He transforms. He takes us from being weak to being strong. He takes us from being bound to being free. He takes us from being jacked up to being better. All right? Jesus transforms our lives. Jesus takes us from being broken people to being whole again. Jesus transforms, and he has a way to remove rubbish, things we don't need out of our life. Question, am I being transformed by Christ? The more stubborn we are, The more resistant we are to what Jesus wants to do in our life, the more stuck we will become. That's why there are generational curses, generational pass-downs, because people somewhere along the line resisted and remained stubborn to what Jesus wanted to do in their life. And there are bad things that get passed on, habits that get passed on, frames of thought that get passed on, But Jesus can change that. Jesus can change that in your life. Jesus Jesus can change that in your family. He can change that. You don't have to move forward in life continuing to be taken out and defeated by things that go on in your world. Jesus can change that. He can change you emotionally. He can change you spiritually. He can change you deep within your soul. He can change the pattern and and the trajectory of your life. I mean, if He can't, then what in the world are we doing here? What in the world are we doing here if Jesus can't do it? Jesus can do it. Jesus can do it. He can change. He can change your mind. He can change your heart. He can change your outlook. We just got to be able to allow ourselves to walk through the gate, the one who changes us. Amen? And then there's the fountain gate notice how all this is working together all of this is working together the fountain gate represents refreshing this gate was located is located near the pool of saloa where the people would wash before proceeding in to the city towards the temple you see the temple there to your left this is where they would wash before proceeding to the temple it speaks to the overflowing empowering uh, excuse me, it speaks to the empowering flow of the Holy Spirit in our life. The empowering flow of the Holy Spirit in our life. In fact, in John 7, Jesus was in the temple teaching. And he makes this, this contrast and this comparison, if you will, uh, to, to what was going on in the temple of worship as they were worshiping. And he says, anyone who believes in me... He said there will be rivers of living water that will flow from within that person. And he go, John goes on and adds to this. He was talking about the Holy Spirit who had not yet been given until Christ was glorified. And so the power and the flow of the Holy Spirit in our life is refreshing. Then man, I, there, are, there are seasons that we go through in life that can leave us... Especially as we go through different tough times. You go through some tough times, it, it knocks the breath out of you, does it not? It kind of sets you back a few steps, if you will. kind of leaves you dazed sometimes, depending on the adversity and the, the hardship that you deal with that you go through. It kind of can knock you off your equilibrium. And it can kind of get your, your thoughts and your focus out of whack a little bit. But man, you allow the Holy Spirit, you draw on the Holy Spirit, you call on the Holy Spirit. Another one of the songs we sang this morning. You call on the Spirit of the living God to fill you Call on the Spirit of the Living God to wash you. Call on the Spirit of the Living God to empower you. And man, your th- things begin to shape up. Your sight and how you see and how you hear and how you look and how you think about life again begins to change after you go through some tough times. After you, after you allow the work of God to to transform you and to begin to change some things in you, you kind of maybe felt like you're standing at a crossroads. Well, where do I, where do I go now? What do I do now, Lord? You did this in me. What do I go back? Do I go left? Do I go forward? What what do I do? You allow the power and the life-giving flow of the Holy Spirit to ignite in you and to flow in you and He refreshes you. That's the promise we have as as believers in Christ, allowing the power of the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of us, to baptize us, to immerse us, to consume us. The the power of the Holy Spirit changes things inside of us and He refreshes our weary souls. You ever been in a a particular day of the week and you're like, I don't know how I'm going to deal with today. You've just been so overrun, so overtaken, so taken back by different things in life and different, maybe different people, different circumstances. And it's like, man, I don't know how I'm going to handle this. I feel feel dry. I don't feel like I have the, the wisdom for this. I don't feel like I have the ability to handle this. And boom, you call on the Holy Spirit. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Fill me today fill my life fresh, fill me fresh and anew, overflow in my life and help me take this day in stride the way you have designed me to and the way you see that I need to. This is everyday life, folks. You don't have to wait until Sunday. Sunday happens, but Monday through Saturday takes place and we have the ability to call on the power of the Spirit of God to fill our life and to refresh us. i got to get moving Running out of time. Then you got the water gate. the question that for Fountain Gate is this. Am I dependent on the Holy Spirit? Or am I more dependent on myself? The Holy Spirit, am I dependent on Him? The next one is the water gate. Represents the Word of God. This was a gate that opened up to a spring... And it speaks of the Word of God and its effect on every believer's life. You ever opened up God's Word and read a, a, some verses and, and it's like it almost jumped out of the, off the page? It's like it just jumped up and like, like just, just kind of hit you across the face. And it was like, wake up! and It's like a light bulb moment. That, 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 that's what God's Word is intended to do. It's intended to get our attention. It's intended to grip our heart. It's intended to, to make a difference in our life. And, and this, this, this Watergate speaks of the Word of God and how it grips us and how it, how it impacts us and how it affects our life. In fact, in John 1, the, John writes, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is that word. He's the word of life. Jesus as the gate is our life going through the gate of God's word. Are we seeing the word? Are we reading the word? Are we pursuing the word? Are we taking time to digest the word? Are we thinking about the word? Are we meditating upon the word? Are we doing things in our spiritual practices of spiritual disciplines Are not, not to make us feel better about our faith or f- better about ourselves. We do that. We read it. We meditate on it. We think upon it. We pray it because what it does to our life, it changes us. It affects us. It has great impact on my mind. God's word has great impact on how I think. God's word has great impact on what I believe. God's word has great impact on what I do with my life. God's word has great impact on wherever I go and whatever I do, at whatever stage of life I might be in, God's word is there to guide me and lead me and feed me and sustain me and point me in the direction and bring bring truth back to my life where I might get off track. God's word has great effect on us. Am I living in the word? Jesus said this in his three temptations in Matthew 4. He said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. God has given us a gift right here. Or in our new technology world, at our fingertips on our phones. We have more access to God's word than we've ever had before. Are we... Living on the word. You guys with me? We're talking about Jesus is, these, is the gate. And all of these gates are a foreshadow of who he is. The horse gate represents the triumph of Christ. The triumph of Christ. As the army would get ready for battle, they would ride their horses through that gate. So it's called the horse gate. Where do the horses go? The horse gate. Where do the horses need to come in and out? of? The horse gate. We've told you that. It's the horse gate. Go to the horse gate. No, not, not the water gate. No, not that one. The horse gate. Simple, right? The horse gate. It speaks of spiritual warfare because horses represent, uh, they were used in battle and they represent a symbol uh, of war. And here's the thing. The enemy does not want to see the God in you succeed. The enemy does not want to see the God in you succeed, so he'll do anything he can to try to keep that from happening. Which is why you and I must daily put on the spiritual armor of God, Ephesians 6. The spiritual armor of God. And in that, when we put that on, it tells us there, Paul wrote, Having done all, stand. Stand in the triumphant victory of Jesus. So the song we were singing earlier, Defender, we're going to come back to that here in just a moment as we prepare to come to the table of communion. But in that it talks about how God goes before us and He makes the victory our victory. He sees our struggle. He sees our fight. He sees our warfare. And He goes to work on our behalf. And He makes the victory our victory. And that's the guarantee you and I have in Jesus. Is as we stand in Christ, we wear the armor, the spiritual armor of God. You can read it in Ephesians 6. It allows us to stand in the triumphant victory of Christ in our life. Christ has never lost. He's never lost. Christ has never lost. Come on, who you want on your side? Somebody who's never been beaten, right? The undefeated champion of the world. Who do you want in your corner? Who do you want fighting for you? Who do you want standing up for you? Who do you want taking the bully on, on for you? Who do you want in your life? You want the one who never loses, right? You want the one who always has a surefire uh, Victory in everything, and that is Jesus. The triumphant victory of Christ is our life going through and living in Christ, and for Him to be triumphant. Or are we trying to fight our own battles? Are we trying to fight our own messes? Are we trying to fight our own wars? Are we trying to do it all our, ourselves? We have someone who has over. ...come the world, and that is Christ, if we will ask Him, be in this fight with me, be in this battle with me, be in this struggle with me, be in this this confrontation with me, guess what? Sometimes He doesn't even have to say anything. In the case of this man who was born blind, he spit in the ground and made mud... And put it on him and then told him to go wash. He can do kind of what he wants based on what he knows is best for our life. But we have to invite him and we have to ask him, be in the ring with me. Be in the center of this battle with me and help me overcome. I'm weak. I, I, I'm thirsty, I'm hungry, some of us hangry, I'm, I'm in this battle, God, and I, I don't know that I can overcome this struggle that I'm in. And maybe you're standing in faith for someone else. Maybe you're, you're in faith and prayer for someone else and you see the weariness in their life. You see the chaos in their life. You see the destruction in their life. And it, man, time can go by. A lot of time can go by and you'd be like, man, I don't know that God's hearing me because nothing seems to be changing for them. God, I don't know what is going on. Fight with me in this. Fight for me in this. Is our life, are we going through the, the gate of Christ who is triumphant. Last two, the East Gate. The East Gate. Represents the return of Christ. If you, if you know anything you know, Christ is coming back. Christ it has a second return. Alright, He did not leave us all here all this time. And He's not laughing at us. And He's not saying, I hope you can hold on. I hope you can make it. Now, He knows He's returning for His bride. He's returning for the church. He's returning for His people. This particular gate, the east gate, it opens up to the Mount of Olives, which speaks to the return of Christ and how we are all called to live with a longing for His return. We have 100% certainty that Jesus Christ is returning. 100%. 100% 100% that Jesus Christ is returning. What we don't know is when exactly. We've been, we kind of went through a series on this a, few, a couple of months ago. We don't know when, but what we are called to do is to live expectant and to live ready for the return of Jesus. And the question for us is Am I ready for Christ's return? Do I long? for Christ's return. Because when He returns, He makes everything perfect again. Everything perfect. No flaw, no fear, no issues, no struggles, no addictions, no divorces, no abuses, no killing. Nothing like that will ever happen again. Do we long for the return of Christ. Am I ready? And then lastly, the inspection gate. The inspection gate is, represents the welcoming of Christ. This is the gate where the kings would take the time to inspect their troops as they would, as they would get ready to come back in and walk through it speaks of the examination of our lives by Christ. Christ looks over us. In fact, that Christ says, the Word says that He is forever making intercession for us. That He stands in our place before God and makes us to be in right standing with our Creator. To where nothing would ever separate us from him nothing would ever separate us from him Jesus is always standing there for you and I representing us before our God yep they're clean they're pure they're here he stands in our place pleading before God on our behalf in our present and ultimately in our future when He when we go to meet Him. Is my life am I living my life in and through Jesus? From salvation to purpose, from tough times to transformation, to refreshing, to being empowered. And affected by his word. Am I living ready for his return? Do I feel like I am. By faith I am in right standing with God. As he welcomes me home. The communion. Symbols. The bread and the. Cup. Jesus said, Hey, take this and eat the bread. It's my body broken for you. And take the cup of the new covenant. It represents my blood that's shed for your forgiveness. These symbols, as we take these and eat these, and he says, As often as you eat and often as you drink, do this in remembrance of me. causes us to take a moment to remember and reflect and consider man, is my life really? Am I really going through the gate? Am I really living life in and through Christ? If you feel like you don't have purpose, we need to talk to the Lord about that. If you feel you don't know what your purpose is, Jesus will show. If you feel weak and powerless, man, be introduced to the power of Christ through the Holy Spirit. If you feel lost and misguided in this world, man, open your life up to God's Word as a light and a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Is my life in Christ? Am I living my life in through the gate of christ and as we come to the table today i'm going to invite you to stand we have two tables one to my right one to your left the bread is technically on the bottom so you want to turn it up first before opening the juice or the juice will undoubtedly gravity will take effect and drop on the floor but as you come to the table today i want you to take the elements and and take go back to your seat And the team is going to lead us through this song, Defender. And as they lead us through this song, Defender, I want you to take a moment, take a few, a couple of minutes. Just you and Christ. Talk to Him. Consider your life. Consider where things are in your life. And ask Him to help you in all things. Man, if you could get a picture of that gate of that city with the gates all around us how Christ works in and through us in so many different ways consider asking is my life going in and through Jesus and ask him to show himself strong to you today Lord we thank you so much for this time for this opportunity as you draw us to your table as you invite us to come through your table and partake of these elements the bread and the juice that today we do that Lord with a time to remember and to consider if our life is really living in the gate living in the gate of Christ and I ask you Lord to help us today if we're not Bring us back there. Bring us back there to allow our life to truly enter in and through Jesus. As you want to be all these things to us and in us and through us. Open our heart and our minds to it today in Jesus' name.